Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Hi everybody, welcome to our digital service, it's great to have you with us. And as you know, we, as you may know, we're in the middle of our Relationship Month and uh, it's been interesting to delve into what God has in store for us for our relationships. Um, Pastor Philip last week ministered around purity and if you, if you missed that one, I really encourage you to, to go and listen to the recording or have a look on Facebook. And then we've got Janetta sharing next week on communication. Um, that's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, so please get in, stuck in and uh, make sure you, you get through all the sessions. I'm sure it's going to be a blessing to you. As we get going, let's just pray together. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this time to be in your presence, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have a heart for godly relationships, Lord. We thank you that that uh, you have a desire, Lord, for us as your children to flourish in godly relationships. We commit this time to you. We open our hearts to what you want to minister to us. And we thank you for your word that is alive and powerful, Lord. And we, we submit ourselves to your word this morning. And come, Holy Spirit, and have your way in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. We're going to... My title, uh, as you may have seen today, is uh, all about avoiding potholes and trying to avoid some of the common mistakes, some of the common pitfalls. Um, I'm really of the opinion that we don't have to all make the same mistakes. Um, so I'm just going to share a couple of things that, that I've uh, picked up and I've noticed. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other things that others can help me with, with my relationships. Um, so this, is, this list is not at all exhaustive, just a couple of things that I've got on my heart. And I trust it's going to be a blessing to us. Let's read firstly, let's start from, from right in the beginning from Genesis. Uh, it's amazing to see how much there is of God's bigger picture and of his big, bigger plan, even in Genesis. I'm going to read one or two of the scriptures regarding marriage. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish in the sea of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And we jump to chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out. 
Therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And I want to point out there that among all the other creatures, there was not found any that was suitable. There wasn't, um, let me just see what it says here. It says, there was not found a helper fit for him. There was nobody, nothing that was suitable for a helper for Adam. So the Lord made him. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, let's read that as well. Also referring to the scripture, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Um, I'm going to refer back to these scriptures. Um, but as we start, let's have a look at the first thing that I want us to want to point out the first pitfall and I believe this is not only for for married couples but this is also for younger um, people that are maybe contemplating a relationship one of the most important things one of the most crucial things that that we get wrong is when we approach the whole idea of relationship and marriage from an unbiblical point of view from an unbiblical perspective uh, and what also what that causes is that causes an unbiblical expectation of marriage and, um, so let's give, let's give an example if you are invited to a, on, a, on a holiday cruise if somebody said to you they've bought you some tickets and um, you this is an amazing cruise liner uh, one of those massive cruise holiday ships with entertainment and swimming pools and everything you can imagine, amazing food. And they tell you, um, this, is, this is your ticket um, and this is for free and you can, you can come, come onto the cruise liner. Just the context here, this is what we were talking about at Bible School this week. We were talking about how we missell or how we misrepresent the gospel. And this is the example we use. And just sorry, just to give the context there. So, if, if if the gospel was presented to you like this, that you can come onto this cruise liner and you're going to have no stress and it's going to be amazing and it's going to be just be a, basically a big holiday and uh, following Jesus is going to be like this amazing journey on this cruise ship. Imagine you're getting on the ship and suddenly you realize, wait, this is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship. This is a warship. And suddenly you realize that something was misrepresented to you because you thought you were going on a massive holiday and all your problems are going to be gone for the rest of your life. Um, but now you're in a battle situation. Now suddenly somebody puts a helmet on your head and puts a weapon in your, in your hands and, now, and the enemy is coming at you. Can you see that just in the same way that, as, that we misrepresent the gospel if we tell people that serving Jesus means there's going to be no problems and no issues ever in a similar way, if we approach marriage from a perspective, from a worldly perspective, we are in danger of, of ex- our expectations being completely unbiblical. Um, and I've got a quote here that I want to read to us from J.C. Mahaney. And he says, the key question is this, will we approach marriage from a God-centered view or a man-centered view? And he says, in a man-centered view, we will maintain our marriage as long as our earthly comforts, desires, and expectations are met. In a God-centered view, 
we preserve our marriage because it brings glory to God and points a sinful world to a reconciled creator. So he points out, he says, if we approach it from a worldly perspective and from something that's not biblical, that's going to absolutely um, completely change the way we, we, we handle things when we are in marriage, when we are in, it, in the midst of things. So right there, from the start, I want to say this is an absolutely crucial thing. The way we approach marriage and the way we approach relationships needs to come from the heart of God for us to be able to take a hold of the grace that He has made available for us through that relationship. Now, from the scriptures we just read a moment ago, we see three emerging three very important purposes for marriage. The first one is procreation. And you know, it's interesting to note that this is the first command given to man right in Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply. Isn't that amazing? And fill the earth. So procreation is at the core of God's purpose for marriage. And then there's illustration. And we saw that even Ephesians um, 4 refers to the mystery that this union between man, husband and wife represents and illustrates that mystery of the relationship between Christ and his bride between Christ and the church. So our marriages are meant to illustrate that relationship. Um, and then thirdly, we saw here that very importantly that our marriages in these things, in these two main roles and these main purposes, we should be bringing glory to God in every part of our relationships and in our marriage. So, um, and they are, I want to encourage us um, um, I read an article this, just a short while ago about um, somebody and their approach to parenting. And it's a similar, a similar dynamic. Um, they said that uh, people approach having children, you know, that relationship with their child, they approach it also out of a very selfish point of view. And he actually said, in other words, as a commodity, the, major, the majority of society says that children exist to make us happy, to boost our egos, to procure pets on the back by the watching world, we have children because we think children will make our lives better. And in a similar way, uh, what, what, what he is basically saying is saying we approach parenting like that. We, the world thinks children are going to make our lives better. And then so disillusioned when we actually see, oh, but parenting is extremely hard. And as we choose to parent and as we choose to step into Godly marriage, we step into a battlefield where what is godly and what is God's design is opposed by the enemy, is opposed by everything that stands against, stands against what God wants to, wants to illustrate through marriage. So as we approach marriage, if we approach it from that point of view of what can I get out of this relationship? How can I benefit from it? How is this person going to make my life better? How are they going to make me feel better about myself? How are they going to give me better social standing? You can fill in the blanks there. As we go into marriage with that expectation, we immediately set ourselves up for a very difficult situation. Because we put something, we put a need, we fix a need on another person which they cannot fulfill. And secondly, we step outside of God's purpose for marriage and we're trying to to force ourselves into something that is that is not godly and that is that where his grace cannot lead us. 
Um, so I want to encourage us right from the start, the way we approach it, the way we think about marriage, let's form that and shape that around the Word, around what the Bible says about marriage. Let, allow, let us allow the Holy Spirit to bring healing. The reality is our, our experience of marriage growing up shapes a big part of that expectation, a big part of that view. I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to come and renew your mind and renew my mind. Let's invite Him to come and shape us and mold us according to His purposes. Amen. Great. Secondly, I want to point out that something that I've point, uh, noticed. Um, I, I noticed that as young believers, maybe before marriage, you know, we get we come born again, we have a healthy relationship with with the body of Christ, um, I've seen it often, you know, we, we grow, people get discipled, we grow in Christ, we grow in our relationship, and we come into a place where we have a healthy understanding of accountability, we understand what it means, the scripture says, to walk in the light as He is in the light, you know, to have fellowship with one another, to have a place where there's healthy accountability, where we have people, on, people in our lives that can hold us accountable, but also can speak into our lives, that can encourage us, that um, they also that can ask us the difficult questions that can tell us the hard things that we need to hear. You know, we come from that point, and that, what I've noticed that even somebody that I've met has come to that kind of healthy understanding. When we step into marriage, we seem to suddenly forget all of that, and suddenly we think, "Wow, we are we are a spirit-filled couple. We are believers, and we're married now. Surely." This marriage of ours should be perfect because we are both following God, we're both believers, we're both full of the Spirit. Surely uh, we can't have problems in our marriage, we, we can't have conflict. Um, and right there I've seen so many couples that, that um, from a place of thinking they should have everything in order, struggle through so much they are trying at going at it alone so that's my second point is when we come to a point of of trying to make it on our own without the help of the community without without the support of friends that surround us in prayer without the wisdom of many as the word says in the fellowship of the saints without that support we're trying to make it and we're trying so hard and it doesn't work um, you know it's 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 really hard when we realize, well, we're actually so fallible, and we have real struggles that we uh, what we're going through, and in, if you're in that point and you you're isolated and you don't have somebody in your life that you can share these things with, then what happens is those things aren't dealt with, and then years down the line, suddenly this it's too much, and then things start really falling apart. Um, I've recently done this, this uh, counseling course, and it was interesting that the lady mentioned that. Statistics that between somebody realizing they really needed some help in terms of maybe a counseling need or between that them realizing they need some help and between them actually going um, and asking for help, it can be the average is about 11 years. That's crazy to think, but I, I believe in marriage is similar. If we don't, right from the start, have that, that um, understanding that we need to be place of healthy accountability. It's so easy to fall into a routine of, let's, we're just going to leave this, we're not going to try and resolve it. Um, 
You don't have anybody to talk to about this. And I want to encourage us that humbling yourself in your, in your relationship with your wife or your spouse, humbling yourself towards one another is really hard. But as a couple, to humble yourself um, towards another couple is, is just as hard. But there's the key. Is as we humble ourselves, we open the door for God's grace. I want to read for us from Second uh, Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 26. And this is an incredible account of the King Uzziah. I want to encourage you to go and read more of it. I'm just going to mention one or two bits. Um, Uzziah, Second Chronicles 26 from verse 3. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecolia of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father and Uzziah had done. He set himself to seek God. In the days of Zechariah, he instructed him in the fear of God. And then is the key phrase. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. He humbled himself, he sought the Lord. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And then we read in verse 15, we see the shift. In Jerusalem, we made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far. For he was marvelously helped by God. That's my understanding. But he was marvelously helped, and then he says, till he was strong. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. And then we see this incredible shift. We see him grow proud. We see him not teachable anymore. And we see him uh, where the Lord has to drastically intervene. He becomes very sick. But how, how powerful is this that as long as he was humbling himself and seeking the Lord, God made him prosper. But as soon as he was aware that he thought he was strong, he grew proud. And that led to his destruction. I want to also read from James 4. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. I remember teaching by Andy Stanley, where he illust, you know, gives us illustration where he says, you know, we are so wrestling with each other in our in our marriages or in your relationship with your spouse. Maybe there's a there's something going on there, and you're trying to figure it out, and you're wrestling through it, and you're thinking, where is God in all of this? Um, and we're saying, God is. Unless you are humbling yourself, unless we are humbling ourselves before God, inviting Him into the situation, and humbling ourselves before our brothers and sisters in Christ, God is standing to one side. He's saying, here I am, I'm resisting the crowd. So that dynamic of us trying things on our own strength, struggling and wrestling through things without humbling ourselves, really means that we are excluding God from that situation. But as soon as we humble ourselves, as soon as we, and this I believe often happens when we are able to walk in the light as a couple, the Lord steps in and that grace enters in. That grace abounds towards whatever struggle you're going through. So I want to encourage you, seek the Lord as as I did when he was younger, seek him. Um, as long as we seek him, he will make us prosper in our marriages. Amen. Let us remain humble and let us not try and do it on our own.
was fellowship with me. We had a stay and that was the most. Thirdly, I want to I want to briefly mention one or two more pitfalls. Uh, thirdly, when we struggle to navigate changes of life phases, when we when we go through life phases and we struggle to navigate them well, that can really be a big pitfall. And then I'm talking about not this is not only in marriage; this is in general a, a reality. You know, when we go from students or scholars to to working. Or we go from working life to, you know, that's a, there's a big shift from being a student to, to working full-time. And then that shift from being single to being married is another massive adjustment. Um, then, for, you know, from being married to having children, starting a family, massive adjustment. And if we do not, if we're not surrounded by people that can give us healthy advice, that can guide us and help us. If we're not seeking the Lord in those massive shifts, there's a big chance that we're going to struggle to make the right adjustments. And I often see people that have um, come through a massive life phase change and they're discouraged and they're tired and they're struggling because they've, they've tried to go on as before and they haven't made some very necessary healthy adjustments. This sounds like a, a no-brainer, but I found that unless we seek the Lord in this thing, uh, it's really a danger that we can miss God in it. And in a, in a marriage relationship specifically, that big shift that comes after we've kind of gotten, got, made that transition to, to you know, get settled into married life, which is a massive transition, which again, we need to, be, uh, need to have help in and guidance and, and grace from God. That transition from being married to being parents, if we don't navigate that well and if we do not um, get godly insight into how we, how we make sure our marriage remains strong when we enter that uh, season of being parents, that can really cause big challenges for us. Uh, I want to really encourage us to, to ask the Lord, seek the Lord as we go through those life phase changes. Then I want to just briefly mention that challenge that we maybe you have heard about before, but that problem or that that temptation where we start worshiping the blessing instead of the the person, the giver of the blessing. So maybe we've you know prayed for many years to uh, for a spouse, and now the Lord has come through, and now He's blessed us with a spouse, He's blessed us with a wife or anything. And uh, now there's a danger that unless we remain in, in godly order, there is a danger to, to put this person on a pedestal um, and to idolize the blessing that we receive from God instead of worshiping the giver of the blessing. And similarly with children, um, maybe there's, there's been a struggle to conceive or there's, uh, there's a couple that have wrestled for many years to, to have children and now... They have children. They have been blessed with children. Is there such a danger for us to to idolize the blessing, to worship the blessing instead of the giver of the blessing? So I want to encourage you. Um, let us remain in that place of, of walking in the light. Let us remain in that place of recognizing that Jesus Christ remains the absolute center of the universe for us. If we allow the children 
to rule and reign, then they're going to believe they're the center of the universe. Have you noticed our children are designed to do that? I remember the first time when, uh, when Abby was really small. Uh, she was a little baby still. And uh, she, she could see she really believed that the day started when she woke up. So whenever she woke up, she would either you know, come and wake us up or she would call from a cot or whatever it was. And she, 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 she was convinced that the day, everything started when she woke up. And the first time I had to wake her up for an early um, trip or something, I can't remember what it was, but I had to wake her up really early and she was astonished. She was completely caught off guard. She, you could see there was a bit of confusion. What's going on? Clearly something has been going on while she was not around and it completely threw her off. So unless we keep Christ at the center, um, there's a danger that we, we put the blessing at the center and we start um, idolizing what He's blessed us with. Then just finally, I just want to mention something that Gary Thomas mentions in his book, Sacred Marriage. And he says this, he says that couples um, don't fall out of love as much as they fall out of repentance. And what he's referring to is that there's such a thing that we miss when we, that, that pitfall is when we become so familiar with each other as a, as a husband and wife that we stop asking forgiveness, we stop repenting towards one another when it's really necessary. And we become so familiar that we, we let so many things go unresolved. And what happens then is that we're not really falling out of love, but because we've not maintained the healthy place of, you know what, I'm really sorry. I need to repent because I've messed up. And when we step out of that habit and we, we're no longer in that healthy place of repentance, then there's so much bitterness that builds up. There's so much that's unresolved that builds up in our hearts. And we're unable to move forward. All those things kind of hold us back. All those unforgiven things, all those unresolved things chain us, kind of keep us bound so that we cannot grow forward as a couple. And I encourage us. That's one of the pitfalls. Don't fall out of repentance. Stay in that place of humility. Stay in that place of, of openly and, and quickly. That's, a, that's an important one. Quickly repenting when necessary. Quickly forgiving each other. Be quick to repent and quick to forgive. Amen. I want to close with the last one is, is that we, we often underestimate the assignment against marriage. And this ties in with what I said at the beginning. The Lord has got this amazing purpose for marriage, this very powerful illustration of the mystery of Christ's relationship with the body, Christ's relationship with the church. And if that is such an important thing, then it makes so much sense that the enemy will try and destroy that. Philip mentioned this last week, and I want to encourage you to go listen to that message. It makes so much sense that the enemy will come against that image, that illustration, as with everything he has. And often we underestimate that assignment that is against us, against godly marriages. And this is not something I'm saying so that you should be afraid, but it's something to realize that as I step into a godly marriage relationship, that there's going to be something coming against us. But the other thing that we do underestimate in the same time is we underestimate the power of God 
operating in and through our lives as we submit to Him. We underestimate the power of His resurrection. We underestimate the power of the blood of Jesus as we humble ourselves and as we stay in godly and divine order. We underestimate that power. So I want to say to you, if you're in a place of a struggle with um, whatever you're struggling with in your marriage, know that God's heart for you and His power is is toward you. His grace is abounding towards you as you as we humble ourselves. Amen. I want to encourage you if um, if you maybe have underestimated that battle, then you've probably also underestimated the amazing grace that is available, and not only the grace but the power of His resurrection at work in and through us. Lord, you know the word says that. We're not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for whoever believes. And I believe as we humble ourselves, we can see the power of God at work in and through our marriages. The power of God unto salvation for us, but also unto salvation for those around us. Amen. And we need that same resurrection power as we face the, the onslaught of the enemy. As we face that that battle that comes against us as, as Christian um, married couples. I want to encourage you today, if you're at a low point, or if you're at a place of discouragement, know today that as you humble yourself, know that God's grace can flood into that situation. And he's, He, just in the same way that, that when the enemy threw everything he had at Christ at the cross, he could not overcome him. He could not... Jesus still overcame sin and death in a similar way. Even when it feels like the enemy is throwing everything at us, know that Christ is able. Christ, the hope of glory on the inside of us, is able to overcome whatever the enemy throws at you and me and at our marriages. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Oh Lord, and today in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that you would recognize the blind spots, ways we, we, have, we have stepped into a pit uh, or a, some kind of a pothole. Holy Spirit, we ask you that you make us sensitive right now, that you would press with your, in your gentle way, impress on our hearts where we need to come back into line, Lord, where we've maybe stepped out of your order. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that your grace abounds, Lord. We thank you that your heart is for marriage, Lord. We thank you that your provision goes before us. And right now we commit again, Lord, to humble ourselves and walk in accountability, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you right now stir in our hearts again a desire to, to, to be that illustration to the world, Lord. And to see your power at work in and through us, in and through our marriages. To see the power of God at work in and through us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come, Lord, and Direct our steps, Lord. We ask that you help us to navigate through this battlefield, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have already won the victory for us, Lord. I speak over every discouraged heart now in the name of Jesus to hope in God again, Lord. I speak over every heart that's hardened to humble us, that we would humble ourselves again, Lord, in the name of Jesus, and that we would receive your grace, your abundance of grace for every situation. I thank you, Lord, for your kingdom to come, Lord, in and through our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much.
Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.